crypto mixers help hackers to launder ransomware payments, and hackers exploit misconfigured FBI server. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Anna Delaney. Cyber criminals are turning to crypto mixing services to conceal the proceeds of ransomware activities, making them conveniently harder to trace by law enforcement. Matthew Schwartz, our executive editor for Data Breach Today in Europe, investigates. Criminals have a cryptocurrency conundrum. How can they take their dirty bitcoins and make them clean? One challenge today for law enforcement when battling cybercrime is that the cybercrime as a service ecosystem helps criminals manage every stage of their illicit journey from obtaining malware or other attack tools to making profits, often in cryptocurrency, and then laundering those funds to make them tough to trace. For anyone seeking to launder cryptocurrency, such as Bitcoin, so-called crypto-mixing services have long offered to handle the process. They offer what's known as mixing, tumbling, or churning. In a new report, threat intelligence firm Intel 471 says the process involves different criminals sending their cryptocurrency to a wallet owned by a mixing service. The mixing service pools the cryptocurrency together with their own, and gives each customer a unique mixing code for their funds, which ensures they never get the same cryptocurrency returned to them. After a period of time for mixing, which usually takes days, the customer then gets the same sum of bitcoins back from the mixer's pool, but muddled using the service's proprietary algorithm to obscure its origin. To provide this service, of course, crypto mixers charge a fee. Such fees can vary greatly. One popular service is called Absolutio and charges anywhere from 1% to a 30% commission. Another, called Blender, charges up to a 2.5% commission. While such services have been available since at least 2014, they continue to evolve. Greg Otto, a researcher at Intel 471, told me that from his recent look at the crypto mixing landscape, the thing that popped out most to him were the multiple advertisements that were sitting on forums populated by cyber criminals. Criminals benefit from crypto mixers, and so crypto mixer operators market to them directly. As with all aspects of the cybercrime service economy, and especially anything used to launder money, Law enforcement agencies regularly target mixers. They've been tied not just to these cybercrime operations, but also to hack attacks waged on behalf of the government of North Korea, also drug cartels, and other organized crime. And not all of these services have been beyond U.S. reach. In August, for example, Larry Dean Harmon of Akron, Ohio, pleaded guilty to running the well-known Helix and Coin Ninja crypto mixing services. Federal prosecutors say that from 2014 to 2017, Helix alone was used to launder more than 350,000 bitcoins, then worth more than $300 million. Helix also allegedly worked closely with a number of different darknet marketplaces, including Alphabet, Evolution, and Cloud9. Unfortunately, however, many crypto mixers do operate from other jurisdictions, such as Russia, that don't extradite suspects based on foreign charges. This can make takedowns or arrests difficult. 
While it can be difficult also to know who's moving cryptocurrency, it does have one big benefit for law enforcement agencies, at least over cash. Namely, a blockchain ledger is immutable. Evidence gathered well after the fact, then, might be able to break cases, especially if investigators can tie specific individuals to specific cryptocurrency flows. As Intel 471's auto told me, the fact that all of these transactions are still in the public blockchains means there's a layer of transparency built in that gives investigators a leg up in tracking where the money ultimately ends up. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be today when this happens. But if it does, one thing we've seen from the FBI and other Western law enforcement agencies when it comes to investigating cybercrime is they're patient. They have a long memory. And they are happy to wait for criminals to eventually make mistakes. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. The FBI says it has fixed a software misconfiguration that was abused to send a barrage of fake emails from a legitimate FBI domain address to falsely warn recipients that an attacker stole their information. Here's ISMG's Jeremy Kirk, Managing Editor for Security and Technology, for more on the story. Late last week, the FBI was the unlikely source of a large run of hoax emails falsely warning of a cyber attack. The FBI says it's since fixed the software misconfiguration. As many as 100,000 hoax emails were sent in two waves early Saturday morning that were sent from infrastructure owned by the FBI and its parent agency, which is the Department of Homeland Security. However, the emails were fake, even though they originated from the FBI.gov domain. The FBI says the misconfiguration involved the Law Enforcement Enterprise Portal, or LEAP. So that portal allows state, local, and federal agencies to share information, including sensitive documents. The portal also supports a virtual command center, which allows law enforcement agencies to share real-time information about events such as shootings or child abductions. Although the email server is operated by the FBI, the Bureau noted that the server is actually not part of its corporate email service, so no classified systems or personally identifiable information was compromised. The text of the hoax email warned a cyber attack was underway and that data had been exfiltrated. The bogus emails attempted to pin the blame for the cyber attack on a security researcher. Rob Graham is head of the Georgia-based consultancy Errata Security. Graham wrote a blog post that clarified what the misconfiguration allowed the attacker to do. He characterized it more as a trick than a hack. The FBI server allowed people to register for Leap and as part of that process would send a confirmation email. But rather than generating the confirmation email on the server, it was generated within the web page. Because that content gets pushed to an individual's browser, Graham writes that it means hackers can modify the web page on their own computer to send different confirmation emails and ones that don't look like confirmations at all. In this case, Graham says the attacker changed the subject and the text content fields during the account creation process. So that led the FBI server to use that content when sending the confirmation email. The attacker then used automation to have it read a file with 100,000 email addresses and dispatch confirmations to all of them. The abuse of the system could have been much worse worse. An attacker could have abused the functionality to send phishing emails that might have looked quite legitimate. 
Blasting out 100,000 emails, though, triggered obvious suspicions straight away, which in a sense, for the FBI, was fortunate. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. And finally, surely the question on everybody's mind is whether zero trust is this year's buzzword or the operational model that's going to propel us into a more secure future. Well, industry leaders recently met with our senior VP of editorial, Tom Field, to debate the present and the future of zero trust. Here's Jeremy Grant, Managing Director for Venable LLP, on the future requirements to optimize zero trust in our environments. A lot of what we're talking about with zero trust is just a lot of older technology being used in, in new ways. And so we've got a lot of the tools there already. I think in terms of future requirements, look, as more and more you know, enterprises move towards zero trust, the attackers are going to evolve because they always do. And we're going to start, I think, to see a need to pivot again in terms of how we approach security, maybe just focusing on how we approach certain elements of zero trust. Um, we're seeing this a lot in my world with multi-factor authentication, where I think the message is really quickly shifting from, hey, just make sure you have MFA to making sure that you're using phishing-resistant MFA like FIDO, because we're seeing one-time passcodes and push and SMS are all getting fished pretty regularly now. In fact, this was a big feature of the Biden administration's new zero trust strategy from a few weeks ago. So I think it'll be a combination of shifts like that to guard against new attacks, as well as you know a need for more tools in the zero trust world to just make the whole implementation and operation side of thing easier. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. The music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time.